The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walt. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. We are here today. You can hear some of the ambient music. We're here at the Amazon Remars conference, which is going on between June 3rd and 7th in Las Vegas, 2019, that is. And for those of you that are not aware of the Mars conference, it actually stands for Machine Learning, Automation, Robotics, and Space. Of course, being focused on artificial intelligence and its broad applications, we're focused on those first three letters, mostly the machine learning, automation, and robotics components. And as part of that, we are thrilled and excited to have today as our special guest, Tom Soderstrom, who is the IT Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. This is a true pleasure and uh, an honor. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a bit about your background and your current role at NASA. My role is really to try to predict the future and infuse it today. So it's really, if you can, we've created an innovation experience center where we go into this room to experience the future today. And what that is all about is trying to understand what technology waves are ready to be surfed and which ones are worthy to be surfed. And if we surf them, can we have an impact to JPL, NASA, and really any enterprise? And we're from California, so we're surfer dudes. So that's our metaphor. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, we heard you at, give a talk uh, at the keynote on Wednesday here at the conference. And for our listeners who were not able to make that show, maybe you can give us a little bit of a recap of what you talked about and some of the insights that you have at NASA JPL. Certainly. The talk title was to democratize Mars. And this was a play on words. Mars in this context means machine learning, automation, robotics, and space. And of course, we care a lot about the planet Mars. So democratizing means two things. It means surfing these technology waves that makes it available to people. So that's the other part. Having everyone participate in answering the big questions that NASA is answering, like, is there life in space? Are we alone? If we one day needed to export humanity, would we have a place to go? And where did the universe come from? Where is it going? These are big questions that affect all of us, and therefore all of us should be involved in solving them. So democratizing Mars means to make the algorithms make it available, make the data available, so that future explorers can stand on the shoulders of giants, not in years or decades, but in minutes and right now. And so I know that you know this event is all about machine learning and AI, but it, so in your talk, you didn't touch upon AI that much. Can you tell our listeners some examples about how JPL is using AI? Certainly. I did, I gave a few examples of AI, but very few because the conference is full of really good examples of AI. The one I gave was about predictive maintenance. So we use today, we have satellites around Earth and in deep space, and we want to see if they're about to go wrong. So we use machine learning and we take the previous tracks or orbits as training data. And then we now take the actual data as machine learning algorithms to see if things are going wrong. If they're going wrong, then what we do is we visualize it for the people so that the people are still in the loop. So we call it intelligent assistance rather than artificial intelligence, so IA rather than AI. 
and that's been very successful. We're finding just about all the anomalies that people found and as we tested, and now some that people didn't find. That's great. You know, we talk about AI as seven patterns of AI, and so predictive analytics is one of them. And we do know that NASA is doing a lot of predictive analytics, so I appreciate that example that you sure. gave us, because we talk about that a lot, and I don't think that some of our listeners understand or know, you know, just how much NASA is using predictive analytics. So the example with the satellite was great, but can you talk to us about other ways that you're using yeah. it as well? So another one of predictive maintenance is, so if you think about what NASA and JPL does, we track spacecraft in all across our solar system and beyond, actually beyond our solar system. So to do that, as the Earth rotates, you have to have antenna farms that can understand and listen to our spacecraft, talk to them wherever the spacecraft are. For instance, Voyager, it takes almost 40 hours to get a signal out and back. So the space antenna that sent the command, another antenna will receive it. Well, those antennas are in very high demand. So you need to understand what maintenance do we need to do. So we're using a lot of AI to say what looks like it was gonna break. We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. What's going to break, we'll use another antenna and take it offline for a little bit. And that's one good example. That can then be democratized to trains, automobiles, airplanes, cars, just as we can learn from their methods to make our machine learning better. So I know that, you know, we talked about some of these applications of AI around predictive analytics and some of these other things that you're doing at NASA JPL, but maybe you could talk about some of the broader things because NASA is involved not only in stuff that's orbiting other planets, but right here at home as well. So maybe you could talk a little about how AI is being applied in space, both on other planets and right here uh, orbiting our own. Okay, perfect. Why don't we start with home? The home is where the heart is and there's a lot of things happening. What we do at JPL and NASA is to look at Earth from space and you get a very different perspective. So we have a lot of satellites orbiting Earth. They take around 90 minutes to get around. And for instance, one good use case of AI is to detect forest fires. So they're looking and all of a sudden, let's see, they see a plume and it looks like a forest fire. They can then retarget another satellite to zoom in and then trigger the fire department to respond to it. So that is really about an autonomous swarm of satellites working on the human behalf. Another one is to take in all of, we're sending a lot of satellites out to look at water. So we understand the water pattern, we understand the ice melting pattern, so we can do machine learning on that and let people know with real data what's happening. Another one is for predicting tsunamis, hurricanes, floods, droughts, all of that. It's all about looking at massive amounts of data and analyzing it and looking for patterns and giving a heads up warning about what's happening. So those are some easy, if I can say that, use cases. Another one, anyway, so that's enough about Earth for now, space. So our farthest spacecraft is Voyager. It's about roughly 15 billion miles away with a B. And we have a lot of spacecraft in between. We have spacecraft on Mars. So what happens on Mars is the Mars Curiosity rover, for example, 
is driving on Mars and it finds, it looks for rocks that we have pre-identified. It also has AI running on it that is looking for interesting rocks. So it has determined through machine learning what looks interesting. Anything that might have water in it is extremely interesting to us. So it finds one of those and it takes snaps a picture of it. And then if it has enough energy and depending on what else it needs to do, then it sends that thumbnail of that back to Earth. Earth, humans say, well, this looks interesting. Send me the whole thing. Then the spacecraft sends the whole thing. Or the, anything is a spacecraft, even a rover. And then what we can do is we actually use augmented reality to look at that. And then we can turn the rover around and drill into that rock if it looked really interesting. And that has happened in the past. So AI serves as an intelligent digital assistant to the human to catch the things that we missed. So that's one example of many. Those are some great use cases. And I have never been to space, but I can only imagine that it is not quite like the Earth. <laughs> and wherever you're going is probably far away and probably treacherous. And, so. and it has to be completely autonomous. And it's cold. It's lonely. Yes. So... Everything has to be radiation hardened, which means there is not a lot of CPU power and memory. So these algorithms have to be pretty darn efficient. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. Because it's not like Earth, it's not easy to simulate and recreate. You're also not sure of all of the conditions. It needs to be different than what it would be on Earth. And so autonomy plays a big part in that, where you need to be able to have the spacecraft, any sort of spacecraft, a rover, anything, needs to be able to operate autonomously because you're not always able to have humans in the loop, humans there. So can you talk to us about some of the challenges with that? Sure. So ideally, you would have run this amazing algorithm and it would do everything by itself. Well, it doesn't quite happen by itself. So we try these things on Earth and we experiment and we experiment a lot. And the people at JPL and NASA are very bright. So if something really works, then we can put it up in space on the next spacecraft. But that's usually a long cycle. So the idea of being able to innovate faster and put these things up while the spacecraft is flying is amazing. Because if you think about something on Mars, it's gonna fly, then it's gonna land and it's gonna drive. When you land, you don't need the flying part anymore. So we get rid of that software and make room for new advanced software that we can then upload. It's a pretty different way of working, but that means you can refine your algorithms over time very carefully. Right. And I know that it takes a very long time in order to build out these vehicles until they are able to make it to space. I think that you have said there is another spacecraft that's going up in 2020. Yeah. So you have time, but time can be a luxury and time can also be a hindrance because technology can be delayed. It can be old by the time it's already deployed. So where do you find AI helping with that? So it can help in many different ways, especially on the ground. So if we can get the data down and then do machine learning on it, then take what we learned and put it up on the spacecraft so it triages, so it knows what data to send down and not the data that's not worthwhile. And that is a wonderful future we think will happen. So it's really about the Earth being the lab, the spacecraft being the operational part. It's good that you were talking a little bit about the future because it's always one of those things that we like to ask all of our guests is to have you pontificate a little bit and think about you know sort of where all this is going. So like from your perspective, you know what do you believe is the future of AI? Obviously 
obviously AI has been around for a long time, right? You know, we've been talking about AI since the 40s, maybe before the 40s, you know, but basically, you know, it comes and goes in these waves and we're in this new upswing, which of course that we're in the middle of the spring and the summer, we can't see a winter from where we are. So I would love to get your perspective on kind of where you see the future of AI in general and its applications to corporations and organizations and agencies and academic institutions and beyond. Fantastic. Do you realize you just invited me to pontificate? <laughs> All right. It's your funeral. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think we've had a lot of AI winters. I think we're about in for an AI summer. I think there's a lot of good things coming. We look at the six technology waves that are coming, and one of those waves is applied AI, and it really fits the theme of democratizing Mars. Applied AI, and there are several other waves, and they all add up to a giant tsunami that we called embedded AI everywhere. So it, essentially you have a digital assistant at your beck and call wherever you go, whether it's to your smartphone, your augmented reality, watch, or whatever it happens to be. So I think the democratization of AI happens in three ways. One is the network that's coming right now is wireless network. So you have, getting technical for a second, you have in the room, you have Bluetooth 5 coming, much, much faster, built for Internet of Things. Inside the campus, you have Wi-Fi 6, much faster, built for Internet of Things. Then across the cities, you have 5G, built for Internet of Things, much faster. So when you add all that up, you're going to get a ton of data from a lot of different devices. So now what will you do with all that data? You're gonna do machine learning, you're gonna do AI, and you will see a smart city and a smart campus being built at breakneck speed. That's one example. I also think that we will see in the future, there's a lot of robotics at this conference and it warms my heart. There's a lot of democratized robotics of various types. It's all using machine learning, but it's at the edge. So what we will see is all this data goes up in the cloud. Cloud is as far as we're concerned, infinite computing, infinite storage. It needs to be pushed down onto these robots. So you have a smart big brain in the cloud, you have smart small brains in middle-sized rover, and tiny smart brains on little tiny rovers that we're building. So you are now doing AI at the edge. And I think we will see swarms of diverse robots doing amazing things. We saw Roombas here at the conference. You could have many different types. You could have, we're looking at different types of rovers. So we have the ones that can climb, the ones that can swim, the ones that can fly, the ones that can crawl. They all work together for a common mission. And I think that is wonderful future and it's really close. So I think AI is not exponential, it's beyond that. It's where we will all be able to take advantage of it. Now, how do you find these people? I think you find them through, you mentioned predictive analytics. The step from predictive analytics to light AI is very small. So I think that's where we find them. We have a lot of early career hires being mentored by experienced people at JPL. And the way they work is they have IoT as its basis. We had lots of sensors everywhere because they're inexpensive. Then we use visualization, put the, all the data in the cloud, use visualization, use analytics to understand the data. And then we use AI, machine learning, deep learning, natural language processing, natural language understanding, all machine vision, all of that to make the whole thing faster and smarter. But you interact with it by just speaking to the room or touching the screen or gesturing. So that was my pontification. <laughs> you invited it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we actually appreciate it. So I think, once again, I really wanted to appreciate you participating in this podcast. So, Tom, thank you so much for participating and sharing your thoughts and your insights and your perspectives. Thank you. And to all the listeners out there, help us answer those big questions. Yeah, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. 
To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.